0: tonight and turn to Luke chapter 16 if you will Luke chapter 16 by the way let me say thank you again for what we did for the missionary just a while ago I, I really feel like probably there was about hundred percent consensus on that in this room tonight but just in case there there wasn't uh, I, I just want to assure you that it never fails every time we do something for a missionary God's going to bless it there's there's just there's not a doubt about it and uh, he just always does, always without absolute, without fail. Not not ninety percent of the time, a hundred percent of the time. God always blesses us every time that we do something for a missionary. And so I, I really appreciate the, appreciate you being a mission-minded church. And it's really sad. Um, you know, I talked to a, I talked to a pastor sometime back, and they had a little missionary family come in. You know, just came in to present. To the, to the church and the pastor just got burdened. He just got burdened for the missionary and he said, church, why don't we do this? Why don't we give this little missionary family $500? And you wouldn't believe the trouble that that stirred up in that church. And I'm not talking about a church that was struggling. I'm talking about a church that probably had at least $50,000 in their missions fund. Now church, I'm going to tell you something. We got a bad problem somewhere. Yeah. When you can't give a missionary family $500 and you've got $50,000 in your missionary fund, something, something somewhere's wrong. And, and so I just, I appreciate it. I appreciate your attitude. I appreciate your, uh, your generosity. And, uh, and I'll tell you something else too, that other people are paying attention. And not just uh, folks that are in this room, but folks that don't even walk in this room. Who are watching this church and they, uh, they are noticing that this, this church is, is not here. We're not, a, we're not a savings alone at Calvary Baptist Church. And we're trying to help missionaries and support missionaries and, and, uh, and purchase Bibles and send Bibles out and things like that. And people that don't even walk in these doors and yet they're watching the services are, are seeing that. And, uh, and because of that, they are investing in this work. I'm telling you, man, it's amazing people that don't even attend here. They're not members here. They would like to be members here, but they are, they're not members here. They don't attend here. And yet they are contributing on a regular basis to this ministry. And that kind of thing's happening all the time. So anyway, we thank the Lord. We praise the Lord for that. Luke chapter 16 in your Bibles. And when you find your place, um, why don't we stand one last time? Because if I don't make you stand, you're going to fall asleep on me tonight. I can tell it. And, uh, and so I tell you what, we uh, we preached about 20 minutes Sunday night, and it threw some of you into shock. You, you, you know, my dad, my dad was watching a service the other day, and I said, church, give me 10 minutes. And dad said, when I heard you say that, I was like, ain't no way, ain't no way. And dad had to eat his words. And so... Hey, listen, we're going to be brief tonight, but but we're going to we're do a Bible study tonight, so keep your Bibles open because we're going to turn to a lot of places this evening. And so we're just going to use Luke 16 as a jumping board. So let's look at it quickly. Luke 16, verse 19. The Bible says, There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And I just got to say this. This is, Luke 16 is not as much of, of a passage on eternity as it is on stewardship. And a lot of people miss that. In other words, what we just talked about as far as helping missions, Um, Really, Luke 16, that's really what Luke 16 is all about. It is a stewardship chapter. This rich man had the opportunity to be a blessing, and he chose not to. And he had it to give, but he was very stingy. That's really, really the context. But let's read on. Verse 23 says, And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham... Have mercy on me and send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivedest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which pass from hence to you cannot... Neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. So now look at verse 27. Then he said, I pray thee, therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send them to my father's house, for I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets. In other words, they have the word of God. They have uh, the Pentateuch and they have the uh, prophetical books, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, nay, uh, Father Abraham, nay, uh, the word of God won't do do the work. That's what he's saying. The word of God won't do it. Uh, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, if they had a miracle, uh, they will repent. And verse 31, and he said unto them, if they hear not Moses and the prophets, if they won't accept the word of God, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. Let's talk about it a little bit tonight. You may be seated tonight. And all of our deacons, I meant to mention this, our deacons, fellows, if y'all could hang around just for a few minutes after we shake hands. I need to meet with you guys just for a few moments after the service tonight, if I could. I want to talk to you about this subject. Can those in heaven or can people in heaven see us on earth? And so let's pray tonight. Father, we love you. Thank you so much for the privilege to be here tonight. Lord, I pray that you would knit our hearts together tonight as we learn from your word this evening. And I pray all that's done would honor you, please you, and I pray it would glorify your son. Father, we're grateful to be here tonight. We came here on purpose. There's nobody here tonight that's that's here by accident, as far as I know. Someone may have stumbled by the live stream, they thought by accident, but even that's not accident accidental. Lord, that's the providence of God. And so, Lord, we we want to get something. We're here tonight, might as well get something. And so I pray that right now you'd touch our people and strengthen their bodies physically. And I pray that we would be able to glean something spiritually tonight. Lord, bless our discussion. I pray it will make sense. I pray it will be a blessing. And Father, we sure ask you for your help. In Jesus' name we pray and for his sake, amen. Look at verse number uh, number 27 again. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou would send him to my father's house. He said here, for I have five brethren Um, And so this rich man is in hell, the Bible says, and yet he knows that he has five brethren back at home. And so someone says, Pastor, could that rich man see his brothers on earth? He has passed from this life to the next. He's no longer in this mortal realm. He's in hell. The Bible says he lifted up his eyes in hell, being in torments. And And yet it would seem that he is aware of his brother's. On earth, could he see his brothers on earth? Well, I believe this. I don't believe that he could see his brothers, but I do believe this. I believe that he could very well remember his brothers. Somebody asked me the other night, Preacher, will we remember one another in heaven? Will we remember our spouse? That was really the specific question. Will we remember our spouse in heaven? Will we remember that we were married? to them on earth. And I, I, I do believe this. I believe that in heaven and, and in eternity, we will possess our memory. And I believe our memory will be fully intact. Now, I don't know, I, I'm not gonna tell you that I can, I can explain all that. I know there will come a day when God's gonna wipe away the tears from our eyes. And, uh, and so some people believe that that means that God's gonna do a wipe. You know, God's gonna wipe our minds clear. You know, I don't know that I believe that. Uh, the, from Scripture, and, I, and we'll get into that a little bit more tonight throughout the course of the study, but I believe that we're going to remember. I believe we're going to remember. I believe we're going to remember this former life. I believe we're going to remember one another. Our Bible tells us that we're going to know and be known, and, uh, and so we do know this. We know that this man had a memory of his family on earth. I've been asked this question numerous times in the last little bit, preacher, preacher, Will, we, will, will people in heaven be able to see us on earth? Now, I taught on this, but I went back and looked in my files, and uh, it, it has been several, several years since I taught on this. And so I want to I go back over. Maybe this will be some familiar territory for some of you. But um, I'm going to be honest. This is, some of this is very fresh tonight, new, that I'll give you this evening. But let's answer that question. Can those in heaven see us on earth? Well, let me begin tonight by saying this, that there are certain beliefs that are passed down uh, throughout time and generations, and some of those are propagated as biblical truth. When in all actuality, there's no Bible to back it up. I mean, they're sweet, and they're sort of quaint, and they're things that you've heard your, you know, your grandparents say, or maybe you heard, uh, it, maybe you even heard a preacher say this, or maybe you heard this in a song, and you thought, wow, that's sweet. I never thought about that. Well, I'm glad to hear it's like that. Well, you know, it's very important that any time we say something or sing something, it's very important that we have Bible to back it up. Um, and our Bible says in First Timothy chapter one verse four, neither give heed to fables and endless genealogies which minister questions rather than godly edifying witches in faith so do. Now, Timothy was facing a lot of this in the church of Ephesus. Paul knew that. The Holy Spirit knew that. And so because of that, he challenged Timothy on some of these things. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, he said, But refuse profane and old wives' fables, and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. That word fables mentioned twice. That word fables there means myths. Or inventions. In other words, it's just things that people have invented through the years. There's no Bible to back it up. It's just an invention of man. It's just something that somebody came up with and, and they talked about it. It became, uh, It just became a part of their family myth or their mythology. Colossians chapter two, verse eight says it like this. Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men. And a lot of the things that are being taught today are just that. They are traditions of men. The verse goes on to say vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world and not after Christ. That word rudiments means the, means the, uh, the first things, the, the, the basic things. In other words, these are things that people began to teach a long time ago and they just sort of... Stayed with us. They don't necessarily have uh, Bible doctrine to go with them, but they just sort of stayed with us. And so people will say things like this. You better be good because people in heaven are watching. And you better be good. Uh, Sometimes people will say this. They'll say, uh, you know what? You better watch what you do because grandpa's looking down. Grandpa's watching you. And grandpa saw you do that. Uh, or you've heard this, grandma got her angel's wings today. And now that's down here again. All those things are sweet. And, uh, but uh, you don't have any Bible back backing that up. That's what I'm trying to say tonight. And so I'm not against you if you want to say some of those things. You know, uh, you know, that's between you and the Lord, I guess. But I'm just saying that I, just personally, me, I feel like that if you're going to say something, you ought to have something to back it up with. Amen. And I believe you ought to have some Bible to back it up. For instance, there's some people that believe that we are to pray uh, and we're to pray to the saints. Uh, and, uh, and then there are some who believe that you're to pray and only to the saints, but you're to pray to the Virgin Mary. And they have little prayers that go along with that. You know, like this, hail, Holy Queen, Mother of Mercy. Hail our life, our sweetness, and our hope. To you we cry, the children of Eve. To you we send up our sighs, mourning and weeping in this land of exile. Turn then, most gracious advocate. I'm not talking about Jesus. i talking about the Virgin Mary. Turn then, most gracious advocate, your eyes of mercy toward us. Lead us home at last. And somebody may say, Preacher, that's really sweet. The only problem is there's no Bible to back that up. There's nowhere in the Bible that tells you that you're to pray to the saints that you're to pray to St. Philip or St. Bartholomew or, uh, or St. James or whatever the case may be. And there's definitely no place in the word of God that tells us that we're to pray to the Virgin Mary. Somebody says, well, that's what we do. I mean, we've always done that. That's what I'm talking about. That's a rudiment. That's a tradition. But when you can't back it up by scripture, it's a problem. Right, right. We, need to, we need to make sure that we can base what we believe on the word of God. Uh, not a denomination, not what somebody says. And so let's talk about it a little bit tonight. Uh, can people in heaven see us or can they hear us here on the earth? So I'll just give you two thoughts, but underneath those thoughts are a lot of thoughts. All right, okay? And, uh, but that makes it sound better if I say I'm just going to give you two thoughts tonight. So how about this? Number one is this. There will be in heaven, there will be an absence of sight. Now, this is going to disappoint some of you a little bit tonight, but uh, I'm going to try to give you as much Bible as I can. We're going to use our Bibles a lot tonight, but in heaven, there will be an absence of sight. In other words, I believe this according to the word of God. I don't believe there's anything in scripture that points to the fact that people in heaven can see what's taking place on the earth. And so for you to say, grandpa sees you, you know, and that, that, again, that's real sweet. And I'm not knocking that tonight. I'm just saying there's not a lot of Bible to back that up. Um, and there's nothing in scripture that would lead us to believe that people in heaven can see what's taking place on earth. And with that said, I want to ask you this. Why would you want to? Amen. If you could, would you really want to see what's happening here? Well, my my mother-in-law for the last two years struggled with her health. She had stage four liver failure and uh, and then in the last year or so, I mean, it was just like problem on problem on problem. And, you know, they had already, you know, my wife and, and Mary, they would already took her to the doctor numerous times and, and, uh, and then uh, second opinions and specialists and all these kinds of things. And one of the things that we were getting was this, that we're probably not going to do a whole lot about some of these other problems. I mean, she's 77 years old. And so they sort of act like, you know, uh, and, and she didn't, you know, she didn't have a lot of money and and uh, living on Medicaid probably. And, and so they just pretty much told us, you know, we're probably not gonna do a whole lot about that. And you know, that's sad, but that's just sort of the, the new normal nowadays. And uh, But you know what? The other, other day when she took her last breath and she was escorted, you know, into the, the splendors of heaven and, and uh, into the glories of heaven. You know, you gotta ask yourself a question. And some of you have had loved ones who struggled there in their last you know their last bit and some of them had a stroke and others of them were battling with cancer and 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 finally finally they knew that you know they knew the lord and they they were ready to go and 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 yes it was Hard and when you saw them take their last breath and and there was going to be a parting there, but well, you knew though. You know, in your heart of hearts, that when they took their last breath, man, you knew that when they breathed out this earthly air, they breathed in that celestial air, and and you knew. Although you were sad, you were glad because man, you knew they were in the presence of the Lord. I mean, to be absent in the body is to be present with the Lord. I want to ask you a question. You know what? After all that struggling and hurting. Uh, and now they're finally in heaven. Would you really want them to see what's going on? You, know, you, you, you think about you. You think about that man. Would you really? Would you really want your loved ones to see the cancer and the divorce and the abuse? Well, I'm, I'm trying to think, man. You know, you think about people looking down from heaven and seeing dementia and baby caskets and tragedy and drug abuse. I'm I'm going to be honest with you. That would at least, in my mind, that would at least have to take away from some of the peace and the tranquility of heaven. If you could look down here and see what the Democratic Party's doing and the Republican Party's doing and America's doing and and the abortion and the immoral sin and all that's going on. Well, I, I, I'm going to tell you some church, if we ever get across that river, I don't think we'll have a desire to look back. I, I mean, if we know that our loved ones are saved I, I, and we know that they're going to eventually come to be with us. And, and so I, again, I don't think that there's any evidence in the scripture that says that those in heaven can see what's going on on earth. Now somebody says, wait a minute, pastor. Whoa, 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 wait a minute. How about Hebrews 12 verse one? Well, let's look at that. Look over in your Bibles, Hebrews chapter 12, and let's look at verse number one tonight, and then we're gonna pick up the pace because we're gonna have to, and I'll I'll just really hasten through this this evening. But Hebrews chapter 12, verse one, and that's, that's, that's the verse that we usually go to and we say, you know, this, this is evidence right here that people in heaven can see what's going on on the earth. So uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verse number one, the Bible says, Wherefore, wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight, and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Look at that first part. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Somebody says, see there, preacher, there's a cloud of witnesses and they are in heaven and they're watching, they're watching us on earth. But that's really not what your Bible says. In fact, look at the very first word of verse 1. The Bible says, Wherefore? Now, you know what that means? That means that Hebrews chapter 12 is connected to Hebrews chapter 11. And Hebrews chapter 11 is what we call the hall of faith. And it talks about all those, uh, all those saints of God that lived by faith. And many of them were persecuted and tormented and sawn asunder and, and starved and, and uh, mistreated. And yet they lived by faith. And what our Bible is saying is this, that, that they're not necessarily witnessing you and I on the earth, but they are a witness. They're a witness that it is better to live by faith. That's what they're saying. Oh, it's better. Man, we, we know because we've come through it and it's better to live by faith. And now, since we've done it, you need to follow our example and you need to live by faith. Even in 2023. And so we see here that there is a, there's an absence of sight. There's just not a lot in the word of God that tells us that people in heaven can see what's going on earth. Now, can, can, can they remember? I believe our memory is gonna be intact. But I don't believe we'll be able to see what's going on on the earth. And so we see an absence of sight. But let's, let's talk about this next thing and we'll, we'll finish up with this. In heaven, although there'll be an absence of sight, what's this, in heaven, there will be an awareness among the saints. Amen. And so I don't think there's any evidence that people in heaven can see us on earth, but I believe this, they will be aware They will be aware of things that are happening on the earth. Now, we do have some scripture to back that up. And so let's look at it tonight. Take your Bibles and turn over to Revelation chapter 18, first of all. And we're going to turn to probably five or six or seven places real quickly tonight. Revelation chapter 18. And in Revelation chapter 18, we find find an interesting passage here and Uh, This is during the tribulation period, and we find here in Revelation 18 that when Babylon is finally judged on earth, heavenly saints are instructed to rejoice. Look at Revelation 18, verse 16, and saying, "Alas, alas, that great city that was clothed in fine linen and purple and scarlet and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, for in one hour so great riches has come to naught, and every shipmaster and all the company and ships... And sailors and as many as trade by sea stood afar off and cried when they saw the smoke of her burning, saying, what city is like to this great city? And they cast dust on their heads and cried weeping and wailing and saying, alas, alas, that great city wherein were made rich all but had ships in the sea by reason of her costliness for in one hour is she made desolate. Now somebody says, preacher, who is this great Babylon? Well, Brother Kistler came and preached and he sort of, didn't, he didn't say this precisely, but he sort of believed that, that, that at least There's a possibility that this great Babylon could be America. Some believe that this great Babylon could be Rome. Uh, 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 Regardless of that, this great city, whatever it is, this great city is going to be judged on earth. But look what happens in verse 20. In heaven, the Bible says, Rejoice over her, thou heaven, and ye holy apostles and prophets, for God hath avenged you on her. So, it, at least it would seem that those in heaven are going to be very aware that Babylon the Great has been judged on earth. Now, can they see it? I doubt it. But they're at least going to be aware and they're going to rejoice that the great Babylon has been judged. Not only that, but turn over one page, turn over to Revelation chapter 19. Revelation 19, look at verse number 1. In Revelation 19, the heavenly saints rejoice because the great whore has been judged. Now, who is that? That's that one world religion that's gonna be going on during the tribulation period. In Revelation 19, verse one, now this is going on on the earth, but look what happens in heaven. Revelation 19, verse one, and after these things, I heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying, hallelujah, hallelujah salvation and glory and honor and power unto the Lord our God, for true and righteous are his judgments. Now, why are they shouting? Why are they rejoicing? Look what it says. For he hath judged the great whore. That's that one world religion which did corrupt the earth with her fornication and hath avenged the blood of his servants at her hand. And again they said, hallelujah, and her smoke rose up forever and ever. Now, I don't believe that you can see what's going on on the earth, but I believe there's an awareness. And we find here that when Babylon the great is judged, there's rejoicing in heaven. And we find here that when the great whore, that one world religion, is judged on the earth, man, there's all kind of rejoicing that goes on in heaven. So they're aware. Maybe they can't see it, but they're aware of what's going on. All right? Turn over to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. So, again, I'm saying this in heaven, there will be an awareness among the saints. Luke chapter 9. Oh, this is a great story. How many remember when Jesus went up on the Mount of Transfiguration? And the Bible says he transfigured himself before the disciples and he sort of dropped this uh, uh, earthly flesh for a little bit and they were able to see his glory. And the Bible says that during that time that that, uh, Moses and Elijah came to visit the Lord on that Mount of Transfiguration. Notice here that Moses and Elijah, who had been in heaven, were very aware of events that are soon to happen on earth. Look at this, Luke chapter nine, verse 29. The Bible says, and as he prayed, the fashion of his countenance, Jesus, was altered and his raiment was white and glistering. And behold, there talked with him two men, which were Moses and Elias, look at verse 31, who appeared in glory and spake of his decease, which he should accomplish at Jerusalem. Wow, you know what? They came from heaven and they had a talk. They had a talk about the crucifixion and what was getting ready to happen in Jerusalem. And so there was an awareness. There was awareness. They, they were aware of what was transpiring on the earth. Let's look at a couple other places at least. Turn over. You're in Luke 9, so turn over a couple pages to Luke 15. Luke 15, and look at verse number 3. Oh, this is a good one. Heavenly saints seem to be aware of when an earthly sinner repents and is saved. Look at Luke 15, verse 3. The Bible says, And he spake a parable unto them, saying, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if you lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it? And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. Look at verse seven. This is Jesus speaking. He said, I say unto you that likewise joy shall be where? In heaven heaven over one, what? That's on earth. Joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth More than over 90 and nine just persons which need no repentance. Skip down to verse number 10. Luke 15, verse number 10. Likewise, he says it again, likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. Now, I would I would point this out real quickly. Sometimes people say the angels rejoice when people get saved. That's not necessarily what the Bible says. I'm not so sure that angels, and I, and I believe angels will praise the Lord. I'm not so sure angels understand Amen. grace. They've never had to experience that. And so I don't know that angels really understand. They, they look into those kind of things. They want to look into them. The Bible says they'll be joined in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repents. Now, I don't, I'm not going to tell you I understand all of that. But... I believe we understand enough to know this, that when somebody walks the aisle at Calvary Baptist Church, it's a big event in heaven. (laughs) And man, when other people in this church might be looking at their watch and saying, we're late to the restaurant, I'm telling you what, in heaven, they're not looking at their watch because they don't have a watch. And there's no time in heaven. And boy, when when a, a sinner comes to Christ, they are rejoicing. There's rejoicing. And so at least somehow they are aware of what's going on on the earth. Let me show you one other place tonight we're done. Look at Revelation chapter six. Revelation chapter number six. And again, I've I've never brought this out right here, I don't think, but this, this is just really interesting to me. Revelation chapter six and verse number nine. The tribulation saints seem to be very aware of events that are unfolding on the earth. Now, I don't believe they can see it, but they're aware of it. What are you talking about, preacher? Look at this. Revelation 6, verse 9, the Bible says, and when he had opened the fifth seal, I saw, under the altar of, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. So we believe that this is the tribulation saints, those that, that, that refused to receive the mark of the beast, and so they stand for the word of God, and the Bible says that they are, they're killed. We know that many are gonna be beheaded, in the tribulation period, they're going to be killed because they won't receive that mark. And that's what's going on when this fifth seal is opened up. I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. Look at verse 10. And they cried the loud voice, saying, How long? How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the what? Earth. On the earth. And white robes were given unto every one of them, and it was said unto them that they should rest yet for a little season until their fellow servants also and their brethren that should be killed as they were should be fulfilled. Now, there's three things here. Number one, I notice this they're aware that God's judgment has not been carried out yet. Now, can they see the earth? I don't think they can, but they're aware. They understand that God's judgment has not been carried out yet. Look look at verse 10 again. And they cry with a loud voice saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood? So God hasn't done this yet. And they're they're saying, Lord, how long before you avenge us? How long before you judge them? So somehow they know. Those in heaven know. They know that that God has not carried out his judgment to to the field yet. Number two, I notice this. They're aware that they were martyred for their faith and treated unjustly. Look at verse 10 again. And they cried a loud voice saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood? In other words, they, they, they remember how they were killed. They remember why they were killed. They have a memory of that. They remember Listen, I wouldn't receive the mark. I, I stood for the word of God. And because of that, I was killed. And then number three, I wrote this down. They are aware, this is good too. They are aware that others will soon be joining them in heaven. Look at verse 11. And white robes were given unto every one of them, and it was said unto them, and it was said unto them that they should rest yet for a little season until their fellow servants also and their brethren that should be killed as they were, should be fulfilled. You know what God is saying? Some others are coming. Some others are coming. We have our our little dog at the house. I was talking about Callie on Sunday. We can have somebody getting ready to come and I'll say, somebody's coming. I'll say, somebody's coming. Man, she's looking at the door. I said, somebody's coming. And you know what Jesus is saying? Somebody's coming. Somebody's coming. You know, I just, and, and I got to believe this too. I got to believe that's not just for those tribulation saints. Uh, it, it, these, According to the word of God, these tribu- tribulation saints are waiting for others to be ushered into the presence of the Lord. Now, I don't know what happens when that, when that, I don't know if they welcome, I don't know if they're there at the gates. I don't know if they're saying, man, it's good to see you. We knew you were coming. Welcome home. I don't know if there's a, you see? I don't know I know this in Acts chapter 7 the Bible says that when they stoned the deacon Stephen that the heavens were open, and the Bible says that Stephen saw Jesus standing yes, sir. Amen. Jesus is normally seated on the right hand of the Father but the Bible says he saw Jesus standing on the right hand of God and I, I gotta believe that Jesus was saying come on home son man you've known torment and rejection and persecution not anymore come on home and you know, you just, I, I, I don't know, the other day, when, when Miss K took her last breath, well, I wonder, are y'all like that? Yep. Man, I wonder, when she closed her eyes in death and took that last breath, man, I wonder. I, I, I believe this with all my heart, I believe Jesus was there, there's no doubt about that, but I wonder if the other saints were there and they were saying, hey, good to see you, come on. What took you so long? You finally made it. Man, we're so glad you're here. And so these these tribulation saints, although I do not believe they can see what's taking place on earth, I believe they are aware of what's taking place on earth. Let me give you this little story and we're gonna go. The story goes, the coach had a player who was known for two things. The first thing that he was noted for was his faithfulness at football practice. He was the first one out and the last one to leave, but he never could quite make the team. He just wasn't good enough. The second thing he was famous for was that his father often visited him on campus and they would be seen walking arm in arm across campus very much engrossed in conversation. Everybody noticed that and thought it was wonderful. Well, one day the coach got a telegram saying that the boy's father had passed away The coach was the the one chosen to tell the sad news to the boy. So he called him in and he told him. the, The boy was greatly shaken, of course, had to go home for the funeral. But he was present at the next game, sitting there on the bench. Then he came over to the coach and said, Coach, this is my fourth and last year and I've never played in a game. I'm wondering if today you could put me in for just a few minutes and let me play. And so the coach put him in because the boy's father just died. To his amazement, the boy turned out to be a star. The coach had never seen anyone play a better, more brilliant game than this boy played. So he never took him out of the game. When the game was over, the coach called the boy off to the side and said to him, listen, I've never seen anyone play like you played today. But up to today... You were the lousiest football player I've ever seen. I want an explanation. And the boy said, well, coach, you see, my dad was blind. And this was the first day that he ever saw me play football. Now, you say, preacher, is there any scripture to back that up? There's really not. It's a great story. There's really not. But... There is some scripture to back this up. You can rest assured, Jesus sees everything you do. Amen. Listen to Genesis 6.8, the Bible says, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Psalm 34.15 says it like this, the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous. Proverbs 5.21, for the ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord. And he pondereth all his goings. And Proverbs 15, three says, the eyes of the Lord are in every place beholding the evil and the good. Oh, listen, Jesus is watching. Jesus is watching. Now, can people in heaven see us? I don't think so. But they're aware. They're aware. And you know what I, you know what I think, church? I think we can, take, we can take great comfort in that. Well, thank, thank God My mother-in-law cannot see what's going on. And here's the thing, who's to know? Who knows? Things are pretty bad right now, but in the next 20 years, they might get a whole lot worse. A whole lot worse. A whole lot worse. And so I'm sort of thankful that she can't see what's going on. Well, sometimes I'm faithful. Sometimes I'm not. I'm sort of glad my loved ones can't see but they're aware, they're aware. And you know, I don't don't know if I can prove this either. We'll have to let Brother Looney and Brother Horn prove this one, but I wonder maybe when it's getting ready to happen, when the raptor's getting ready to happen, I wonder, just wonder if maybe those saints are gonna know, oh man, we never knew up until this time, but we're getting ready to welcome home a lot of the loved ones. Well, what a day, what a day. What a day of rejoicing that's going to be. Let's bow our heads tonight. Father, we love you and thank you so much that we can have Bible study here on Wednesday night. Hope it's been a help. Lord, it could be there's somebody here tonight and they don't know for sure they're ready. Lord, if their transition were to take place tonight, like my mother-in-law just a few days ago, they're not ready. Lord, they don't know that they know that they know That they're on their way to heaven. They know about heaven. They know about Jesus, but they've never trusted Him as Savior. They've never opened their heart and life and made a conscious personal decision to accept Him. And our Bible tells us in John 1 12, to as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name. Father, if there's one here tonight, or maybe one watching by way of the live stream, And they've never come to that place in their life when they realize that they were a desperate sinner on their way to hell, understanding that there's not one solitary thing they can do to save themselves. God, maybe tonight somebody's watching. Maybe somebody is in this auditorium and they don't know that they know that they know that they're on their way to heaven. Father, help this night, April the 5th, 2023, to be the day. Lord, tonight, wow, it'd be great If before this service is done, heaven would be rejoicing. No, not because they can see, but they are aware. Lord, wouldn't it be great that heaven would rejoice because somebody comes to Christ here at Calvary. Father, I pray you'd have your way in this invitation. Maybe tonight we have loved ones and Lord, we're pretty sure they're lost and on their way to a devil's hell. And if something doesn't happen, they're gonna miss heaven by a long shot. God tonight, maybe somebody just needs to tiptoe down to this old-fashioned altar and just breathe their name to the Lord. And say, oh God, would you save them? God, would you save them? Maybe there's a mom or a dad here tonight, and they love that child like their own life. But that child's lost without Jesus tonight. And God, they're headed toward hell. Maybe tonight on this Wednesday night that mom and dad would come and just say, oh Lord, would you save them? God, please do something. God, arrest their attention. Get a hold of them. Lord, get a hold of them. Father, show them their lost condition and help them to come to Jesus. And Lord, if it might be your will, give us the opportunity to share the gospel with them. Lord, tonight I pray you to have your way in this invitation and we thank you. In Jesus' name, our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Let's stand tonight, if you would. And if you need to come, if you need to come, just for a moment, we're gonna pause just for a moment. And if you need to come, the altars are open. Folks are already making their way down. Anybody else need to come tonight? Just mention somebody to the Lord. Father, please save. Please save so-and-so. Lord, please save my loved one. God, I got a coworker that I'm working with. They need to come to the Lord. Lord, is there any way you would open up a door for me to witness to them? Father, I appreciate that. God, I want to get a gospel tract to them. I want to witness to them, tell them about the Lord. Lord, could you do that? If you're here tonight and you say, Pastor, if I died, I'm not sure I'd go to heaven. Would you come? Would you come tonight? I'm going to make my way to the main floor just for a moment. And if we can help you or pray with you or... Show you how to go to heaven tonight. We'd love to do that. And so while we pause just for a moment, time's not late at all. Don't worry about the time. While we pause just for a moment, if you need to come, we'll be here to pray with you. You come tonight.